Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to this week's Runners World podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're speaking with Damien Hall about how to build mileage without getting injured. That's a little dream ticket, isn't it? Oh my goodness. More miles, no injuries. I hope he yeah. knows the answer. <laughs> <laughs> no idea, gents. Thanks for having me on. Um, no can we talk about something else? Genetics. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting one though, isn't it? Because I think you and I, like neither of us could claim, claim to be high mileage runners. Nope. And maybe that's, you know, the reason for that might have changed. But there's certainly a period in my life where I would like to have been a high mileage runner, but I just felt like I just couldn't um, get my body on board with the idea of running, let's say, high mileage for me might have been like 50 plus miles a week i was like no isn't it how on earth do people do that and not um break down i do look back at some weeks or some some mileages from weeks of, of a bygone era when i was just casually like run commute in and then on a friday i'd always make friday like my longer run run commute and just for and just for fun would like make it like 10 12 miles or whatever and just would cash that would just be a nice start to the day and i mean most of this is sort of fallen at the wayside with the uh development of children but um yeah i mean it's just you sort of look back on those sorts of mileages and you you kind of go oh if i'd if i'd known everything now and applied it back then i could have i could have i could have been up in the 70s or 60s do you know what i mean it could have been i could i could that could have been my time but there's there's always time rick there's always time absolutely absolutely i never i never i've never even training for marathons my mileage never was massive yeah so i think we've both got you know got some interest in this one because damien's someone who um obviously started running late mid-30s um mm. and now has gone on to break records he came fourth at the utmb holds various fkts around the country yeah. um and runs runs high miles so it's kind of um it'd be, it'd be really interesting to see how essentially a kind of normal bloke gets into that and is able to sort of sustain high mileage. I think it really is a fine art to be able to do it and not get um, not get hurt. I'm not sure how he's going to feel about you calling him normal. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, 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 he's the underdog, isn't it? That's his brand, isn't it? He's the underdog. That's true. That um, veneer is slipping because he's doing too well in everything. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he can... He, yeah, he can't be considered that anymore. Can you still be the underdog? When you're you good. <laughs> yeah, you're too good to be the underdog, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, I reckon we um we, we get on our guest of the week. Let's do it. Guest of the week. Here in the studio, guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete. Could be a physio or a complete unknown. Our guest this week is ultra runner, author and running coach Damien Hall. Among his many achievements are a fourth place finish at the UTMB and a fastest known time on the Coast to Coast Trail. Remarkably, he didn't start running properly until his mid-30s and is here today to talk about how to build up your mileage sensibly without getting injured. So, Damien, welcome back to the Runners World podcast. Hello, guys. Thanks for having me. No, great to have you on. Um, 
as I mentioned in the intro, you didn't get into running until you kind of mid thirties. How many miles a week were you running when you kind of first started to get into running in a, in a sort of semi-serious way? Oh yeah. Um, well, I guess what's, what I can see now helped me was that um, I wasn't running, but I was playing, I was playing football regularly, which I now think of as interval, you know, short interval sessions. Um, and I was really into long distance walking or just walking at the weekends, hill walking, I suppose, um, albeit only in the, not in the mountains, but, you know, in, in, in well, the Cotswold mountains. Um, I can see now that that was prepping me really well. Um, and I do think I see a correlation between sort of new runners who have been doing other sports and maybe new runners who are sort of totally fresh to, well, not no one's totally fresh because, you, you know, you do PE at school, but people who have, you know, not looked after themselves for, you know, maybe a decade and then they jump off the couch and, and, and do 5K and then onto sort of half marathons. And, and as you can probably guess, those with a, um, you know, more of a sporty background are usually a bit more robust, um, which is quite a long way to answer your question, which was um, um, <laughs> how much mileage was I doing? I think I probably ran... Uh, probably around three times a week for that those first sort of couple of half marathons um but i would yeah i would go for a walk at the weekend you know sort of three four five hour walk um and then i'd play football once or twice a week so i was actually probably exercising six days a week you know so when i think about it and this is pre pre strava or pre strava for me yeah there was quite a few hours of fitness there i suppose but the actual running mileage was probably only like 20 miles you know 20 20 to 30 miles a week um yeah but that endurance base the walking must have uh, delivered is that's it's kind of we had um tom craggs talking about the long run and and how to get the most out of your long run and the different sort of approaches to that that part of a training plan and it's kind of almost like that walking was your long run right that's kind of initially where it came from yeah i think so and um and again, it's sort of time on feet. And then and then I quite quickly gravitated towards trail running and ultra running. And of course, as we know, ultra running is little secret is the, that we walk half of it, you know. So, um, <laughs> Shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> yes, <on>. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but certainly when it comes to, a, you know, a, a hill of most types, actually, I mean, we always, we always say, oh, we're, we're preserving our muscles, but there might be a bit of laziness in there too. But, but yeah, I was already doing, <laughs> I was already doing that. You know, I was already walking up the hills. Um, and it probably does give a little bit of strength a little bit of strength there. Um, yeah. So I was kind of already doing the long runs. Um, yeah, I would, I would say, and now we call that cross training, of course. So yeah, I would say yeah, you know, someone with a cross training background, it, it, yeah, it, it, they've already got some fitness and some strength. I do think that helped me. Um, yeah. Early on. Uh, well, when you started then to sort of have the desire or the necessity, the need to start running further and to build your mileage, how did you progress that? Was it that the walking became the runs or did you just sort of mix it up with more tempo stuff and the football took a backseat and all that sort of stuff? Well, yeah, with the football, I definitely remember a moment of I became very fearful of injury. Um, you know, no one's I don't think any sport is as. Uh, do we have this fear of injury like we do in running? Before that, I played football you know, for, for decades and, and probably only got injured a couple of times. And it, both times it was a tackle, you know, it was never an overuse thing. Yeah, um, yeah. And actually I have looked into a study on this and only, only basketball apparently has more injuries. And, and I suppose in that one, you've got quite hard surface and contact as well, but yeah. it seems like mm. running 
possibly is the second most sport, the sport second most likely to injure you. Um, yeah, I can remember a moment of thinking, I'm not going to play football because I might get injured for running. And that was quite a big, <laughs> a big moment for yeah. me of like, oh dear, I've, yeah. I've become a runner. That was it. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I'd done a couple of half marathons and I think I'd done that first marathon. Um, and I didn't, I don't really remember following a plan for the marathon. Um, and, and that and that um, came back to bite me because I think I'd only run my longest run was 17 miles, and that's exactly where I hit the wall in my first race, which I, I believe now is that that's the the classic moment, uh, the classic sort of distance where everyone hits the wall. Um, but then I was doing my first ultra not long after, and I was for I did follow a plan for that. I think it was provided by the race, and yeah, that meant I was getting out more at the weekends. My running, both my walking and my football, sort of fell to the wayside um and it became more running but but now looking back as well I was sort of cycling I was doing some cycle commutes so again I still had a cross training element um which again may have helped may have helped you know produce fitness that wasn't all from just pounding the uh, pounding the joints I suppose um so yeah I followed a program um and 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 a bit of cycling as well but I still wasn't doing any sort of strength work or I wasn't regularly visiting a physio or anything like that. Um, so looking back, I feel a bit lucky because that probably is the big moment where people get injured. It's that overexcitement, isn't it? After often after a race or two and wanting to jump up to the next one, and the, I, I see it a lot of you know. And I believe your sort of cardiovascular side improves quicker than the sort of physical. You know, it's usually lower lower limb stuff. It's usually the you know muscles or tendons, and I believe that takes a bit longer to develop than the cardiovascular so often we're like i'm really fit i'm really fit i'm i'm loving this but actually our tendons down by you know around our ankles or, or, or around the knee are a bit slower to catch up i i, I believe was there a tipping point then when the, all of this combined and you actually went wow I'm, i need to be doing x hundred miles a week now this is gonna this is <laughs> if i'm gonna go and do these things and then you obviously you know you're a coach you uh you have educated yourself in what works for you and 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 on all those sorts of things so did you sort of how did you then take this big leap into successfully adding so much more mileage i think i think there's a couple of things that seem to work for me one was simply i did have a coach for quite a lot of the time um and 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 there there then you are hopefully following a structure you know a structured plan and I know it's probably one of the things most runners are bored of hearing about, you know, follow a structured plan. Um, but there's a couple of studies on injuries. Um, I promised you I'd done a bit of research and I have. There's a, there's a, a 1992 study and a 2016 study into, into running, running injuries. And definitely the second study, um, the recommendation was, you know, um, well, it was um, the runners to complete their rehabilitation before before rerunning um, and to try and spot the early signs of overuse injuries, but also the provision of training guidelines. So I guess that idea of building up gradually, which is probably like the most boring advice that, that runners get because, you know, build up gradually the 10% rule, you know, that's, that's open to, to, for debate exactly whether that's the right ratio, but like just that gradual build. And I suppose I learned from those coaches as well. Often you, you don't just keep building 10% a week you, the, the, from England Athletics, they teach this. You know, you have a may a medium week, then you might have a, a bit more volume, a bit more volume, and then that fourth week is nearly always right down again. You know, a, a, an adaptation week or a or a recovery week. You know, it's a lot less. And and certainly, I've seen that with people as well. If they just go up and up and up and up um, without those little breaks, those circuit breakers, if you like. Um, so I think the structured plan, 
boring advice, but really seems to be a thing. Um, so I had coaches most of the time. At some point, yeah, strength work came into it. And I do feel for me, especially as I'm getting well into my 40s, I do feel that really helps me. Um, and it's another cliche, but that kind of listening to your body, um, I, I know it's the sort of thing, you know, we'd read on every other page in Runner's World, but, um, you know, being able to go, oh, hold on, something's not quite right in my ankle or my knee today. Actually, maybe I won't run. And I see it with my athletes now. It's so frustrating when they say to me, oh, actually, yeah, my knee's been hurting all week. And now it's really, and now I can't walk. And and it would have been, you know, it's so frustrating because if, if we're just taking a day off, um, or most physios would say the optimal might be three days, um, you know, for, for, for something something acute to kind of finish finish its acute phase um so often a little step backwards backwards early on uh you know means not a huge step back later on um so I guess that listening to your body thing um yeah I guess I learned the hard way like most people you get a couple of injuries and think oh if only I'd paid attention to that early that early sign with um with the strength work Damien is that something that you have perfected over the years because I think it's, it's a phrase that gets thrown around a lot and I think potentially runners end up doing too much of one thing or the wrong thing where, where have you arrived at in terms of of strength work yeah I, I do go to um I've worked with a couple of very well qualified you know strength and conditioning coaches because I really thought you know especially if I'm a coach I need to understand this stuff so I have gone to you know sort of knowledgeable people um and again it just really depends on the individual I think some people it might be a lifestyle issue especially if they spend a lot of time sitting down for example or um or, or a lot of car, yeah, a lot of time driving. Um, they may need that extra strength around the hips, for example, or, or something like that. Um, some people seem to be okay without it, and maybe don't need so much. But yeah, I'd go to those knowledgeable sources. Um, and at the moment, I probably do. I probably do sort of an hour to two hours a week, which is probably more than most people need to do. Um, and then sometimes I go in and see see a guy, Coach D in Bath, and um, sometimes I have an hour session with him if I'm really getting into big training to sort of, and, and I see it differently now. I'm, I'm almost strengthening myself for the big training, whereas I used to think I'm strengthening myself for the race, but now I want to make sure I get through the training, you know, safely. Um, but strength work, you know, it's one of several things, you know, several methods we could, we could sort of um, attribute to, to, to hopefully staying injury free. There, there are a few other things as well. Um, how how long do you give yourself so when now you're aiming to do a race what's your build because we're sort of we've become quite accustomed to and certainly new runners will probably become accustomed to finding a plan that's 16 weeks 12 weeks whatever it is and and there's a sort of a ramping up of mileage during that time how how have you how do you cope with the sort of the build-up to these things now how how long are you giving yourself well, I think the secret is is almost you know if you're not forced to sort of detrain, then 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 almost don't. Um, um, I guess I'm you know if I'm not injured, I'm I'm training all year round, um, and I don't. Yeah, I will have a month, at least a month or two of sort of downtime, I suppose. But I'd probably still go out like five times a week in that spell and just just run easy, you know, not big mileage, not much intensity. But the rest of the year, I'm I'm probably you know. I'm fit enough to run a marathon most of the year. Um, that probably sounds quite annoying to some people, but but like I, I mean, I just love running. You do have to be. I mean, you know, you're that is it as a racing man. I feel like you, the caveat being that you, uh, it's not just a sort of sideline. <laughs> it's what you do. <laughs> I suppose. I suppose. But but also above that, I just love it. I want to get out every day. Um, and I do. Sorry, I do have one day off. You know, I'm quite strict 
for myself and all my athletes one one day totally off um not even cross training ideally not even the strength work one day of complete sort of recovery which again may be may be a um a factor that um yeah i'm uninjured un- 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 for uh, pretty much five years or, or uninjured through an overused training injury anyway. Um, but yeah, I just love it anyway. So I'm going to want to get out. Um, I'm going to want to get out. Um, and, and, and often it is that building up, building up phase again, where, where you might get issues. Um, so I almost don't want to get too unfit because it's the, it's the scary climbing back up there. And also that's where the frustration is sometimes where you're comparing yourself to how you used to be and so on. Um, but yeah, you have to be, I mean, I do f- like the phrase sort of, you know, thinking holistically about your life, um, you know, anything, the things you're eating, your sleep, um, stress from work or, or relationships or anything else, you know, that's going to feed into your to, into your running. Um, so I, I th- I'd encourage people and I always try to think, um, yeah, what's how's that going to influence your running? Classic example is, I don't know, you go out for a big night out, you know, should you run the next day? Is it better off to adapt adapt your running to your to your life i suppose can we talk a little bit about nutrition damien because i know that um what for, for a few years now you've been um vegan or certainly vegetarian uh how has that played into stuff like recovery do you feel um like you're recovering better now or is that was a decision actually more of a kind of moral environmental one and it's actually made some elements of recovery more difficult yeah yeah no it's a great question i'm still i'm still probably pondering that that answer um i think i've yeah gone gone all full annoying vegan um for about 18 months um but i'm very lucky in that i know you've had really mcgregor on on your podcast recently and and you know she's a good friend and i coach her and she, you know she's i'm very lucky to get advice from her on this sort of stuff so I, I did it very carefully i didn't want to um i suppose you know miss miss a trick and, and be unhealthy um so I haven't, <laughs> I don't actually think I've noticed any difference uh, performance-wise or recovery-wise. I've certainly got friends who are very good runners who think it's been kind of revelatory to them in terms of recovery. Um, I, I, I honestly haven't felt that. Um, and I've done it for, you know, for ethical reasons, for, you know, to, to cut down my sort of the, the carbon footprint from my food. Um, and, 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 you know, there are, there are good health, there's a good sort of argument for doing it for health reasons too. But I haven't, in, my, in terms of my training, I haven't noticed a difference. I think the dangers might be that you, you know, there's often a lot, there's fewer calories often on your plate and you might not even, you might not always realise that. So you, you almost have to make a bit more effort to make sure you're eating enough and, and obviously the protein as well, making, making a bit more, more of an effort to get that in. And then I do take some supplements now, sort of D3, B12, again, all with sort of Rini's, Rini's guidance. Um, but yeah, I haven't noticed any difference, which is a tiny bit disappointing because some people have begun, oh, I feel amazing. This is, and I'm like, oh, I feel the same. Um, but you know, <laughs> when you've had periods breaking down after certain efforts or, uh, larger mileage, how have you sort of, uh, you know, you talk about calories and that's obviously going to help, but how do you combat like the, 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 the sort of the body almost fighting against you when you build up the miles? Well, I, I do think the number one, the number one thing, there's, there's this really good book called um, Good to Go by um, Christy, I'm going to say this wrong, but Al, Al Schwanden, I think it is. Um, and she, she um, this came out a, a year or two ago, and, and she, she was a, she's a journalist, and she looked at all these different sort of methods of, of recovery that we, um, that, we, that we have advertised to us, I suppose, from, from protein shakes to ice baths and, and compression wear and, and, and sleep. Uh, and foam rolling 
Um, and the number one thing, as, as maybe you can guess from all of that, she, kind of the conclusion was along the lines of most of these things have <laughs> almost no impact um, except, except sleep which is amazing. Um, and so I do see that as the number one thing. And, and, and when an athlete says to me, you know, not, not feeling great, my first question is, you know, how's your sleep been? Let's try and catch up tonight if we can. Well, their sleep rather than, rather than me interrupting the sleep by catching up. Um, and then I would say probably uh, less, less uh, yeah, less, uh, less easy to verify, but probably after that, it probably is the fo- food and making sure you're fueling adequately. And Rini, again, yeah, was on your show just hammering home that message of, of, yeah, you don't want to be, you don't want to get into a state of um, energy deficiency, you know, and that could be, you know, certain hormones, you know, won't work or won't kick in. Um, You know, we really want to be fueling well, especially around those key sessions, the longer runs and the intervals. Um, And I do think, so, so you're throwing me back to, yeah, when I ran the Pennine Way a couple of summers ago, yeah, I was a complete wreck of a human being um, after that. You know, I was waking up in the middle of the night. I, you know, I could, I could barely walk. I was, yeah, a, a proper mess. So all I did w- was what I usually do after, after UTMB or something as well is, is like sleep as much as you can, eat as much as you can. Um, and yeah, the really sad moment is when, when third breakfast, you know, no, no longer feels like a sort of legitimate thing that you can, you can have in your day. Um, so yeah, there's usually at least a week uh, after a big, you know, race or challenge, there's usually at least a week of no running, pretty much just sleeping and eating as much as I possibly can. Um, I look forward to those weeks a lot. Over the over the years, Damien, do you feel like you've ever um, done too many miles and have you happened upon a sort of sweet spot for you now? One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Oh, that's a good question. Yes. Um, yeah, I think I did. I made some sort of work changes, which, which made me, uh, allowed me to have more hours to train. And I think I made the classic mistake of, of sort of thinking, well, I can't, I can train that much. So why don't I? Um, so I was doing sort of hundred mile weeks, you know, mostly on trails, you know, um, lumpy, you know, in mountains and stuff and, and, you know, living the Instagram <laughs> dream of sort of, um, yes, up mount, down mountains every day. Honest I am. Um, and I did, luckily I didn't get injured. 
around then. But but looking back, I probably should have, probably deserved to be. But I, I think my performance was were definitely plateauing, probably regressing. Like I was probably just getting slower. I was probably just being tired all the time. Um, I do think there, I, if there is a sweet spot for people, and, and there's loads of caveats with this, you know, look at the rest of your life, how much stress, how much time have you really got, how, you know, how is your sleep, etc. But I would say if there's a sweet spot for someone who's really into this stuff, it's probably around the 70 mile a week mark, or, or, or you could say the 50 to 70 mile. Um, I think there's, I see that with some, some clients. Um, and for me, yeah, if you look at, I, I mean, I'm, I'm on Strava, most of my weeks are sort of 65 to 75. And that seems, what you want above all else is that consistency. There's no point in doing 100 miles in a week if the next week you, you, you're running 15 miles or 20 miles, you're much better off running 50 miles if you can run the next week 52 miles or something. That, that consistency, um, you know, at least one study has shown that and, and that's just what, you know, every coach sort of seems to believe as well. And it certainly has worked for me. It's that consistency you want. So if you do a little bit less mileage but get, but get another good week in next week, um, that's the thing to aim for, I think, for, for people. What about the mental demands of high mileage? I guess it can feel a little bit relentless, can't it, if you feel like, right, I'm going to run x amount of miles a week and it's going to be the same next week or even more how do you uh mentally prepare yourself for for big mileage or is it just about making it as enjoyable as possible oh yeah that is that's a good question because yeah i think when that becomes difficult is you know most people are doing their longer run towards the end of the week and if you've already done quite a lot of running you know if that starts to become if that starts to become a, a bit of a chore then it could be that you are, you know, touching on some overtraining. Um, but I must admit, you know, I have sometimes thought, oh, I've got to, you know, it's long run time and um, I'm less enthusiastic. So there's two things. Yeah, I think you, you try and run somewhere a bit more a bit more exciting or a bit more just a bit fresh or, you know, try and run with a friend. Um, but I would say if that's happening for a few weeks in a row, yeah, or a couple of days in a row where you, you're not you're not keen on it, I would listen. I would listen to that. You know, going back to that, listen to your body. You know, why not just have an early rest day? Um, you know, it's not even. You may not even be missing out on any miles overall. You're just having that rest day early. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, it's a good one. But and also, if you are thinking that, I guess yeah, sleep and food. I'd, I'd jump on them. You know, get to bed an hour earlier. Have some more cake. Um, yeah. What about sort of building in flexibility? Because you say like move a rest day uh, um, if you're feeling tired and you need it and all sorts of things. Because I think people following plans can kind of think that they're the hard and fast and you can't deviate from what's written in front of you. Um, especially when it comes to bigger mileage, you must complete those big miles because that's the be all and end all of what you're trying to get to. But how much flexibility do you give yourself? I mean, you have a day off, but if you if you needed to, can you can you could you casually write off a few days? I I, I would I would I'd find I would find that hard, but I would know. I think you've just got to think of the bigger picture and think if I don't rest properly now, you know, I might be injured. I, I might miss this race. I've booked all the travel. I've I've fantasized about this race for for years. Um, I think you've just got to think of the bigger picture. Um, and to be able to do that. But I really encourage that with my athletes, especially like, I don't know, you might, you might think this morning's intervals and out you go and you just don't feel it. You know, you just feel a bit subpar, whether, it, whether you can pin it on something or not. I would say to, to anyone, yeah, why not just do them, you know, in most cases, do them the next day instead. You know, just don't stress on it. It's not vital you do that exact session on that day. I, I think 
the people who can do that are the ones who get the consistent training. It sounds almost counterintuitive because if you want consistency, you could be forgiven for thinking, oh, I must get out and do what I'm told. Like that's consistency. But I actually think it's the opposite of that. I think it's going, actually, today's not the day for my intervals. Um, and, and studies do show like probably intervals are a bit more related to injury than, than say the, the long run or, you know, there's caveats there. But um, so, yeah, the intervals is probably the one to be careful about. Then it's probably the long run. And yeah, why not? In fact, well, admittedly, there was a storm going on. But at the weekend, I was meant to do, I think, 14 or 16 miles in my long run. And I came back, I came home after about 12 and a half. Um, it's partly because, you know, branches were blowing across the road in front of me and stuff. And I just thought, actually, my wife phoned up and said, we want you to come home now. So maybe that's a bit more of a unique circumstance. But I was perfectly willing. It was like, well, do I need to do the extra two or three miles? Do I really have to? I've got months of good training behind me. Uh, and I'm perfectly happy with that. And, you know, um, I probably missed my target on Strava for the week. I don't know. But, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, I would think always think of consistency. What's going to help you run better tomorrow or next week? I think is the is the message. I was just I was just going to touch upon um, runners getting sort of drawn into competitive things like Strava and and looking like they're doing thousands of miles on Instagram. Um, how does that? How does you know? How do you? Apart from saying people just don't do it, how do you? How do you? How do you see that sort of fits in with when you're coaching or or trying to sort of like keep running to yourself in some ways? Yeah, that is that is that is hard. That is hard. Um, I would say. Within, I, I remember reading a long time ago, actually, and I think it was a bit of Rick's writing, actually. It was a, a tip from Robbie Britton about um, when you're out in the mountains and it's a glorious day or you're out somewhere beautiful, you know, take lots and lots of photos for Instagram and you can use them over time. You know, you don't have to put them all on Instagram straight away. So you've got them in the bank. So it means you don't have to go back to the mountains the next day. Um, but so that's quite a good tip. But also bear in mind, people, they were, I'm doing that. People, other people are probably doing that, almost giving the impression, oh, I'm out running somewhere spectacular every day. And, and they're not. Um, they're not necessarily. So, yeah, it's not real life. Um, and Strava is a tricky one as well. I must admit, I, yeah, I used to look at it a lot. I used to look at who I considered my rivals. If I was going to do UTMB, I would be looking at Jim Wormsley, you know, his training. And like, that doesn't help me. That doesn't help me seeing that he ran 160 miles. Um, yeah. And then, and then, you know, and then he would, and then he turns up tired uh, anyway and DNFs. So, you know, it doesn't really matter what other people are doing. Um, if you can come off Strava, if, if that does trouble you, if you can come off Strava, great. But most people aren't going to, myself included. But, but I must admit, yeah, I don't really look at other people's runs on there anymore. I, my stuff goes up there. Um, I don't really, I don't really look. It's, it's not that interesting. And I would say one of the biggest training mistakes, I think, um, I can't, I don't think there's an actual study on this as such, but like, is yeah, not running your easy runs easy enough. And so when I do look at my, my clients, um, I'm never sort of hoping they've run quickly. I'm hoping they haven't run too quickly on the easy runs. Um, and I think that's one of the dangers that Strava does to people is thinking, well, my, my friends down the road might be looking at this. I've got to make sure my easy runs are, you know, seven minute miles or quicker. I don't, I don't have a, I can't have a 10 minute mile on there. I'd look like an absolute fool. <laughs> well, I promise you, if you look at mine, there are, there are those, 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 that slowness. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. And those people possibly end up getting injured or plateauing or regressing. Um, so don't, you know, and, Honestly, ask anyone listening to this, how often do you look at a friend's easy run and look at their pace? Do you, you know, do people really care about each other that much? Um, occasionally, I see an impressive interval workout or an impressive long run, but I'm not on a, a normal run. I'm not really looking at anyone else's. I'm not, not that interested unless they're a client, I suppose. But um, 
yeah, it's a dangerous world. Dangerous world. Is is there is there any way, Damien, with um, with thinking about some high profile athletes like Steph Davis doesn't write doesn't run big miles. Obviously, won the British Olympic marathon trials. Um, and I think she does a lot of swimming and cycling. What do you think about um substituting mileage for those kind of things? Do you think it can be successful, or there's no real getting around the idea that you have to be putting a lot of miles in? Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Um, I don't know loads about her training, but um. There's one or two other, yeah, really high profile runners, you know, record breaking runners who aren't running, you know, aren't running five or six days a week. Um, I believe, is it Elish uh, McColgan? Um, I think she cross trains quite a bit. Partly, partly, I think she has a, a you know, a, a long term issue that means she sort of can't run as much as some of us. So it can definitely work for people. Now, sometimes they've got, a, you know, a huge backlog of, of cardiovascular sort of build, which might help. Um but yeah, I don't think you need to. And, and some of my clients have done amazing things on sort of, I suppose, four or five days of running. Um, what I would say with cross training is you've got to be interested in it. So like if you if you are tell me to go swimming, I'm probably going to, you know, flick a couple of fingers your direction. Uh, swimming, swimming is <laughs> swimming is not for me. I, I don't mind some cycling, uh, but I don't love it. Like what I find is I can happily get up at five in the morning to go running. I, I'm not going to get up at five to go cycling. Uh, I don't know what anyone else and certainly not for swimming. So I think people have to be, you know, it's, it's, it's an individual thing where, you know, you have to be excited about that cross training activity. Otherwise it's probably not going to happen for long. Um, but yeah, people have all sorts of success mix, mixing things up. I think it's good. I just want to ask you about spine race. Just wanted to ask you how it was. <laughs> it was, it was amazing. Um, honestly had the best time. Um, and it's one of those times where, I don't know, psychologists, sports psychologists talk about, you know, not thinking too much about the, um, the outcome goal, but the performance goal instead, or the process goal. And, and actually, you know, how I felt and the experience I had were wonderful. I didn't get the outcome because I didn't even finish the race, let alone kind of win it. And, and I was, you know, four hours ahead of the next guy and ahead of, ahead of course record. And I developed a, a groin issue, which was really frustrating, getting over these big styles. And it was just getting more and more uncomfortable. And I just couldn't imagine a way that I could continue for another 24 hours um, like that. Um, and, and as soon as I stopped, yeah, I needed sort of a stick to, to even just walk sort of thing. And, and the medics thought maybe I had a, a hernia. So I sort of physically, I mean, but that's the nature of the race. You know, it, be, it kind of beats you up. The, the ground is so slippery and sloppy and, and boggy and muddy. Um, and, and yeah, that, that's the spine race. It sort of it grinds you down. Um, and I've completed it twice before in the past, but but I wanted to do a bit better this time. But yeah, I'm already, yeah, on, great. already signed up for next year. Great. So, yeah. oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> I think it's quite interesting that you're saying having the best time because it really just, it was one of those things that it's a, it's, it's a race of attrition and that's what it's known for. But everything that we saw of you was like the man having the time of his life <laughs> like it was just like and then sadly obviously then you picked up an injury as you say this is what happens in these races but you know these there are other things that other pictures of the event that you saw and maybe that people were having less fun but they were just grinding through it but you didn't there was none of that you looked like you were, you were it was it was going great guns yeah i mean i was just i was absolutely loving it i mean i, I mean i can't promise i was smiling you know 100% of the time but but it, it's a really special race um for various reasons but what's amazing is the amount of strangers that that just kind of turn up and and offer support whether that's a bit of a drink or a snack um or just cheering you on and 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 you know but but they'll turn up on you know in the dark 
in the rain in a like a remote section of bog somewhere just to like ring a cowbell or hand, hand you a Haribo. And honestly, that's so um, just such a wonderful feeling that people will do that just to just to give you a slight lift. Um, but honestly, that, that filled my heart with joy. And, and um, unfortunately, that joy wasn't enough to get me over all of those styles. Um, but yeah, I, I was having the time of my life uh, uh, until I, until I wasn't. We'll just have to. I don't know how you're going to cross train for styles, but I'm sure you can work that out. There's going to be a lot <laughs> of like some hurdles, some hurdles, and some sidestepping over them or something like that. Yeah, that might be what I need. That might be what I need. There was just one more thing I thought of actually while we were while we were talking is is that sort of prehab. We mentioned strength training, but I do do quite a lot of prehab things. I suppose like I do see a physio preemptively. I've definitely got a friend who's very reluctant to see a physio and he waits, you know, he's been injured four weeks and then he'll try and get an NHS deferral uh, to save money. And, you know, by that stage, not it's too late, but like, you know, you've missed out on loads of training. Um, so I do go, obviously there's a cost involved, but I do go, you know, preemptively um, between sort of two or four times, uh, sorry, between two or four weeks um, semi-regularly. And then if, I, if I'm not getting those massages as well, foam rolling, all right, the science is a bit mixed, but, but, seems to work for me seems to work for a lot of people and then the old the old um classic the um vibrating uh you know vibrating toys of various types um can be pretty effective uh we are still talking injury prevention here but but yeah i, I uh, um muscle guns and so on um i think i think they're good and there, there is some decent science behind them um and the amount of times you percussive therapy that's the word that's the word yes therapy um yeah i i, I think they're pretty good and just so often when we get injured, it is, you know, often the painful area often isn't where the problem is, is it? Like it's, it's the hip causing the knee to do that or whatever. But if you're, if you're sort of dissipating some of that tight muscle, um, you know, you may be saving yourself some injury in advance. I can't promise it, but yeah, get the, get the vibrating toys out. Wait, so when you, when you, when you focus on the prehab, are you focusing on troublesome areas that you've had before, or are you just going on high usage? So you're, when you're, are you going hips because you know that they're, you have a disposition to be unstable there or is it just because that is something that needs to be strong to run well oh yeah that's a good question i think i think there's definitely it's good to individualize it so i know that it's often my calves that kind of get a bit overloaded especially if i'm i mean the obvious thing if i'm bringing more vert into my training um but but they're usually the the place that sort of complains first so i'll again with stretching as well that can be quite an individualized thing and um when I and, I and if I'm honest I'm not I don't do loads of stretching I'll be honest um but when I do stretch it's definitely the calves first because they're a bit troublesome for me and then I'll yeah foam roll and again it'll be the calves that will need most attention for me so but then after that yeah I think people's lifestyles again usually it's not usually but quite often it can be the sitting down problems so that might be might be hips and glutes um I do usually use a standing desk most yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, some people can think of their lifestyles, whether whether there's much you can change. Um, yeah, I'm quite into standing desks, although I still sit down. The, the danger with standing desks is you sort of start just leaning, leaning all day when you're not sitting down. So I do, you know, I take sitting breaks or whatever. Um, yeah, so I, I think to answer your question, kind of both, really, kind of both. Damien, thanks so much for uh, your time coming on the Run As Well podcast. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, catch up soon. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. Big thanks to our special guest, Damien Hall, and to you, of course, for listening. You can subscribe to Runners World magazine by going onto the internet and searching Runners World UK subscription and then clicking on, hopefully, the right link. And then once you're there, you can do it. 
and that's the best thing you can do. What an explanation! Amazing. And that's how the that's how that's how the internet works. And if you want to know more about the internet, head to runnersworld.com/uk and find out more about all the things you need to know about running. Uh, you know, training plans, nutrition, uh, advice, tips, hints, uh, hacks, um, the upside down topsy turvy world of everything else. Uh, so yeah, go to the internet and do that, and then uh, you'll hear from us again next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.